Ricochet. Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. Lynch is staring in, has his sign. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Ventura with a grand slam. They're mobbing him before he can get to second base. The Mets have won the ball game. Ventura. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. How is New York going to get out of this guy? Their captain, David Wright. He's had the bad back. He's got spinal stenosis. Played less than 40 games in the regular season. It's a cold night. be a problem on and off the rest of the season. Mm. Turner drives one to center chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch. Oh wow. The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo. He took a home run away from Justin Turner. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention please. The show. And welcome to another episode of the Shea Hello podcast. My name is Casey Lynn, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bill Pulsifer, as we are on episode, can you believe this, Bill? Number seven already. How are you today, Bill? I'm great. How are you? Good to, good to be back again. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, good to have you back. We missed you. And, uh, you know, there's always, like I say, so much to talk about with the Mets, regardless of how they're playing and where they are on the standings. Uh, we definitely missed you the last couple of weeks, but we have you back right now. And uh, episode seven. So it's amazing how time flies. I just want to thank everybody who's watching on uh, our YouTube channel at Shea Hello uh, Media. And also, you can find us on all audio platforms. We are on Spotify, we are on Apple, we are on Google. At uh, and the name, type it in, Shea Hello Podcast. You can find us there. If you don't want to see our lovely faces, you can just hear us. So uh, with that being said, Bill, we got a lot to talk about today. So let's go right into it. David Serge, he has been rumored ever since November of, I believe, 2021, when Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, took over control and became the owner to be the uh baseball player, uh, I should say president of baseball operations. He is now rumored, it's not official, the Mets haven't announced it, to have now that title. And it's a long time coming. There's a lot that comes with it. It's the first time in Mets history they've actually ever had a P-O-B-O, player of baseball operations. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. I have mine. Uh, there's so much uh, surrounding it. 
Uh, but let's let's get your thoughts first on David Sturz, Milwaukee Brewers, GM, then P.O.B.O., and now rumored, basically, he is now the new uh, player, uh, president of baseball operations for the Mets. Yeah, well, obviously, first things first, a New York guy, so uh, and a Mets fan. So um, that's that's something that's nice to, to know that uh, it's somebody that cares for the organization outside of just uh, the business sense. And um, obviously, with uh, Mr. Cohen all, uh, being an owner, obviously, a Mets fan as well, it seems like they're kind of bringing the the family atmosphere, the fan atmosphere into the organization. Um, young guy, you know, only 38 years old, but uh, very experienced. Uh, just looking through some of the things he's accomplished, you know, they, uh, being with the Brewers since 2015 and taking them to, uh, you know, leading their, leading them towards uh, into the playoffs four times. So uh, has a, a history already of having some success, uh, albeit in a smaller market. Um Obviously, a little less money to be to be spent in a smaller market like that. So you uh, you hope for the best, and I think that it's the Mets got their man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I think yeah. this is who Cohen had on his mind from the very very beginning. So um, I guess uh, deal job almost done. It hasn't been announced right, yet, right. but um, they landed the guy they're looking for. So I'm sure everybody yeah. in the organization is happy about that. Well, you touched upon a couple of things that let's uh, talk about. First, New York native. Uh, it's big because it, uh, Steve Cohen is grew up a Met fan, is a Met fan, and now David Stearns as well. You know, people might say, "Ah, oh, who cares? They grew up a fan, and you know, it's business." But uh, there's something about that I think that means uh, something uh, that you can't really describe. You touched upon another thing. He's young. He went to Harvard. He started right after he graduated Harvard, right into baseball. And uh, funny thing is, the story after he did an internship with the Mets, they didn't hire him uh, full time. I believe he went to the Cleveland, and then the Astros, and then eventually Milwaukee. And uh, he's been in baseball ever since. And you touched upon the biggest thing. Milwaukee did not have and does not have a big payroll. The first two years that David Stearns was with Milwaukee as their GM, he had actually, I believe, the lowest payroll in the National League. And they went to the playoffs every year. Uh, they went to game seven of the NLCS uh, against the Dodgers. They didn't win a couple years ago. And they did this with all without the resources of what he will have now with Steve Cohen. Obviously money, obviously everything that he will need that he didn't have with uh, the Brewers. He hasn't won anything. And I get, I, I've, I've Skim Twitter and, and, you know, the channels, if you will, to see people's lukewarm and initial responses. It's 50-50, Bill. I was expecting, because this has been long rumored for years, and the Mets have, you know, never had a, a guy who's going to oversee Billy Epler or, or a.k.a. the GM. And I expected it to be a more welcome response for David Stearns. Um I'm not really feeling that right now. And I'm trying to, I see the reasons I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, he's won. He's, he's gone to the playoffs every year yeah. limit with the low payroll. Right. Uh, I get, you know, he hasn't accomplished winning a world series. It's really hard to do, but uh, some people are, you know, kind of, he hasn't won anything, you know, analytics are going to be big now with him. He's going to be one of those Harvard quote unquote, you know, analytical computer guys. So that's what they're saying. Doesn't, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion uh, as a former player like yourself. Um, you know, I don't know how big analytics were back then, uh, but 
what do you think, you know, as a fan and, and just your initial reaction hearing the news? Well, obviously, the game has changed quite a bit. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say for the better or for the worse. We're just going to say different. Um, I would think that there's definitely uh, something to the analytics, and then I think there's got to be something to the eye test as well. So I would suspect that uh, um, Stearns is aware of this, and I would uh, I would expect him to surround himself with both kinds of people, you know, kinds of people that are your quote-unquote old-school baseball people as well as your, your new school guys that are into the crunching of the numbers and telling you, uh, you know, specific ways that the game is looked at now that it wasn't looked at many years ago. Obviously, he's an intelligent man. You don't just, you don't just fall into Harvard. Um, <laughs> he's been around uh, yep. a long time, even though he is young. You know, he, he's dealt with a manager in Craig Council who was a longtime baseball player who was not a quote-unquote superstar, but Great the player, guy that made the, Solid. Made, made the very, very best out of what he had when it came talent-wise, the guy that I actually came up playing against and always respected as a player, had that very weird batting stance. But um, yep. I think that Stearns is going to see the, the the positives in the in the older school approach as well as the new school approach, and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect for him to go fully anal- analytics for the, the the way the game is played. I don't think that that's how the Brewers play the game necessarily. I think that. They do like, you know, with the, with the manager that they've had now for years, they do kind of play the game in an older school way. But with the, the new school uh, knowledge of, of the way that the game has changed. So I, I would suspect that he's going to to bring a mix. Um, you hope for the best. I think your average fan maybe doesn't look at the, the, the president of baseball operations and look at him as the reason for success or, or not not having success. You know, I think it's more looked upon the. The, the manager and the players themselves and maybe the general manager. So maybe that's part mm-hmm. of the reason for the lukewarm response is yeah. maybe they don't really know a lot about it. I know, I personally don't know a super bunch of, about what a, what the president's going to be doing, but obviously he's going to be making the, the final calls yeah. uh, when it comes down to it. He, uh, he will make, like you said, the final call. He's over uh, his position oversees Billy Epler. It's no more, you know, Billy Epler, who's going to be the, the final end to it. And, that's what Steve Cohen wanted. He he thought it was too much for one person like right. Billy Epler to take a, take it all on, and yep. he's been open about it. So uh, in that regard, it only it only can help. And uh, if you remember when Steve Cohen came on, uh, Sandy Alderson did stay. He yes. wasn't uh, the president of baseball operations. He was the quote unquote team president. Right. Uh, but he stayed on to help Steve. You know, because uh, there was a lot going on at that time when he took over. The only thing that I can pick up, and we'll move on from this, even though it's huge news, uh, but there is a Jeff Passan for ESPN article, uh, uh, obviously describing and with everything you need to know about David Stearns and the Mets, a long time coming. He said it's the biggest move in the front office since Andrew Friedman went from Tampa Bay to L.A. Um, as GM to player of baseball operations. Um, and that was 2014, talking a while ago. It's big news. But the only thing that I can think of that kind of makes sense, and we've talked about this to the cows come home, is the one of the final uh, paragraphs in his article was the first order of business for David Stearns is going to see the trade market for Pete Alonso. And the fans read that and they didn't like it. And I understand <laughs> it, you know, and it doesn't mean they're going to trade him. 
but I mean, you got to do your due diligence. You got to look around. You wouldn't be doing your job. But I think fans hung on to reading that. And, you know, we can't lose Pete. New guy coming in here is going to get rid of our favorite player. We've talked about this. Um, that's where I think it comes in, where, you know, they're scared that maybe Stearns has his own ideas and uh, he's open to trading Pete Alonzo. And before I get your take on that, I disagree because this year at the trade deadline, there were rumors. We don't know for sure. Rumors are rumors. Clicks are clicks. But there were a lot of reporters, Ken Rosenthal, others who reported they were in field goal range, Mets and Brewers, of trading Pete Alonzo to Milwaukee. Now, if Milwaukee and David Stearns, who was an advisory role this year, wanted Pete Alonzo, that would think you would think that David Stearns would want to extend Pete Alonzo. So that's all I got, you know, and it makes sense for fans. Yeah. I, I think that that definitely scares fans when they hear that, you know, somebody like Pete who, uh, kind of the face of the organization, uh, you hear that word trade and, and especially the way the seasons went this year and where they're in the standings, it kind of, it's a shock, but like you said, and we've talked about before clicks are clicks yeah. and being in the news is being in the news. Uh, you know, like they say, no bad news, no, no news is bad news or no bad news is bad news. It, it's, you know, so it's, it's something to talk about. It keeps them in the, in the, in the forefront. And um, I, I totally agree with you that if there was interest while he's with the Brewers at this point in time, I don't understand why there wouldn't be interest to keep yeah. Pete, to keep Pete around. Um, due diligence is obviously something you gotta, you gotta see it. You gotta explore every single option because there might come a time when Pete decides he wants to change his mind. I don't believe that time is now, but right. if that were to happen, worst thing they would want to do is to have Pete leave without being able to get something back in return. Um, I'm hoping that's not what the case is. I don't believe that's what the case is, but I think that it, it makes for good news and it makes for good media and uh, it keeps yeah. the, the talking points out there. I think the first order of business, obviously for Stearns, and he's allowed, I think the biggest uh, and the first thing that Pete, uh, I should say David Stearns is going to do is have to figure out his, his coaching staff and his uh, managerial decision. What do you do with Buck? Showalter, he's got another year on his contract, and you know we have no idea. Does a guy come in and clean house? Does a guy? We we don't know. We're we're, we're speculating, you know. So uh, that's that's huge. And if you remember, two weeks ago the Mets got rid of huge front office personnel, guys who have been in the organization for decades, and. When I read that, I, I mean, that's a telltale sign. If you play poker, Bill, I mean, you're getting rid of guys who've been in the organization for you know 20 years. That, that had David Stearns written all over it, and here we are. So um, I don't know what it means for Buck. I don't know what it means for Jeremy Hefner. Uh, it's really – it comes down to David Stearns. But there's so many decisions. Pete Alonzo, Buck, uh, so Walter, you know, uh, Billy Epler staying. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. It really is. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of things to, to pay attention to, uh, not to mention, uh, not to leave out the fact that there's going to be a need for starting, starting pitching coming. Uh, there's some yeah. guys that have had their opportunities this year that have not quite of grabbed the bull by the horns and with some, some new, uh, new leadership coming in. Uh, I would think that he's going to try to solidify the starting pitching, the ro uh, starting rotation as quickly as possible. Um, 
I would suspect that Buck's going to get another opportunity. You know, he came off of winning 100 games a year before, and with all the injury troubles, I mean, yeah. there was a you know they started the season with uh, three fifths of their starting rotation not even in the starting rotation, so right. that automatically puts you puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, I would suspect that there's probably going to be some changes to the coaching staff. Yes, but I think that Buck might um, Buck might get another shot at it. I, I, I would believe. I'll, I would I'll be go, I mean, there's you know, <laughs> there's no telling what could happen at this point. I'll go fifty fifty on Buck. I have no. I I really. You're right. You know, 101 wins in 2022 this year. Edward Diaz before the season started. Before the season even started. You know, he wasn't dealt the the hand that he was supposed to be dealt, right. and uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, but again, it'll be a fascinating offseason. Like you said, the rotation for 2024. There's so many arms that are available that really could help the Mets and Yamamoto in Japan, who just threw a no hitter, and they had scouts from the Yankees and the Mets and all everybody. Uh, he's going to win his third consecutive triple crown. I mean, Mets are going to be all over him, just like they were Absolutely. Senga. Uh, so, I mean, the, the Mets always are just – it's 365 days, even during the offseason. A hot stove for the Mets is always something, especially this year now. Pete, you got a new president uh, rotation, you know, a lot of a lot of questions. So uh, it will be fascinating. Bullpen, so, a lot of things, a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a good – I meant to bring that up. I was going to do it later, but let's quickly talk about it. You mentioned bullpen. Edwin Diaz. Uh, we see – I see videos. I'm sure you do too. They pop up sporadically. Uh, there's just about you know 15 to 20 games left in the season. He's now throwing off a mound. So as a former player coming off an injury, and yes, you know you had the Tommy John and, and Diaz tore his knee. Uh, what is in the best interest for the player – uh, when he's only going to, if he comes back, and we, we don't know, and that's part of the question, is it for his mental side that he made it back and he can put that behind him and go in the spring training, or is it something else? And you're the perfect person to ask that uh, because the mental side, I think, and I could be wrong, is more uh, imperative than, okay, my, my slider is still at 92 and my fastball is still at 100. Right. I, uh, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit and would love to say that he got back out there uh, and got on the field again before the season was over, regardless of the situation with the team. Uh, it's more of a personal thing at that point in time yeah. just to say that I'm back and to be able to try to uh, maybe just take a little bit of a sigh of relief to know that, okay, I'm healthy again. You know, obviously throwing bullpens and throwing simulated games and wherever he's at at this point is different than than uh than game action in the major leagues but i think that if he is healthy enough uh why not give him a give him an inning or two right at the at the very end just yeah. to get that get that mental hump out of the way right this year as opposed to waiting till next year to get out there and get it over with you know because then obviously you're gonna have those questions going in i gotta yep. wait even longer because you're when you get hurt you're chomping at the bit to to try to get back as soon as possible yeah and, and even Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, even if he gets roughed up, you know, who cares? It's Doesn't just matter. Get out right. there and pitch. It, it, right. Yeah. right. Get it so, done again. And, and, and to wrap it up with uh, Edwin, they did that a couple of years ago, if you remember, with uh, Noah Syndergaard after yeah, his yes. Tommy John. Yep. Uh, he, yep. he pitched in like one of the final games and uh, and then he took off for obviously another team, but we won't go there. Right. But, well, I would you know. suspect Edwin, I would suspect he might pitch a little bit in winter ball, maybe a little bit. You know, why not? Go get a few innings in. He's missed yeah. the year. You know, yeah. uh, try to be. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be as eager as 
all get out to, to come back next year and, and to be the guy that, he, that we know he can be. So uh, the sooner he can get out there, if healthy, obviously you got to be healthy. Um, the sooner he can get out there, the better, I think, for everybody involved. Absolutely. So, you know, we will monitor that, obviously, and we definitely want to see Edwin back on the mound. I mean, who, who in the hell doesn't want to see, uh, you know, Edwin after that horrible injury? So uh, moving on, I mentioned that the Mets have about 15 to 20 games left in the 2023 season. Um, well, I want to bring up the baby Mets, if you will. Let's just talk. Uh, we don't, you know, baby Mets, people don't like the term. So we'll say the young prospects. The young guys, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not so much Alvarez. He's locked in for the catcher for the next foreseeable future. I'm talking more Beatty, who obviously went down, came back up. Uh, Vientos. Uh, not so much Mauricio, uh, maybe. But let's talk about Beatty uh, and Vientos. Two guys that have been given chances uh, in their uh, very small sample size but here's the question now that the Mets traded all these guys at the deadline and got this influx of talented players from the Astros and Drew Gilbert and Clifford and Acuna for Scherzer and you know uh, Jackson for Dom Leone I mean Billy Epler did a hell of a job he really did and I I've been a very long uh, not a fan of Billy but props and, and kudos when due right so my question for you is you know, maybe you experienced this as coming up as a top prospect. There's, in my mind, is there added pressure for Beatty and Avientos, who were the top prospects for sure? But now there's guys on their heels out of nowhere because the Mets made these moves. You know, all the guys that I just mentioned, and they play the kind of the same positions. And Beatty and Avientos have not been really producing. And, you know, there's some competition there. So take me through that. I, I, I have been through it a little bit. It was more when I was traded back to the Mets when they brought in Glendon Rush and they brought in left-handed Bobby Jones and they <laughs> brought me back. Left-handed Bobby Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the way we, that's the way yep. we refer to left-handed Bobby Jones. Mm -hmm. And it gave left-handed Bobby Jones my number when I got traded back. So I have kind of been through it a little bit. I was still young at the time. You know, I was only 24 years old, 25 years old at the time. Right. So... I have been through it. Obviously, the pressure's there. Funny thing is, is me and Glendon have actually reconnected a little bit and become uh, become a closer friends over the last uh, year year because right. of through fantasy camp. And uh, I look back on those times and I was like, man, at one point in time, even though we were, you know, teammates and we were vying for the same spot and we were quote unquote enemies, even though we weren't enemies, it was uh, it definitely there's definitely something to that. Yeah. And I think the the, the pressure of coming up to the major leagues and trying to succeed at the highest level in the sport is difficult enough as it is. Uh, and then you add the fact that there's a group of guys that could possibly be playing the same position as you. I think that does uh, put a little bit of added pressure, whether you're putting it on yourself or it's not the organization putting it on you or whether it is the organization putting it on you. There's definitely something to be said for that. And I think that that might have something to do a little bit with them not performing up to what, their expectations might be knowing that um, there's somebody waiting in the wings and he's going to get that opportunity. If you don't take the, you know, take, take the opportunity. Yeah. It's crazy because if you remember in the off season, Beatty didn't think he'd be playing third for the Mets. The Mets had an agreement with Carlos Correa for 12 years. Right. You know, Beatty got his left field glove and that's where he thought he was going to Obviously it didn't happen, but uh, it's kind of ridiculous how all these young players, the Mets have a top 
farm system now. And now, you know, Beatty and the Vientos. And I, I really don't know what to make of Mauricio because it's been such a small sample size. But, you know, pressure is a good thing. Competition is a good thing. Uh, and it's a good thing to have. Mets didn't have a farm system for years. Now they have actually guys behind guys who are the top prospects. So I don't see anything wrong with it. It, it can't really hurt. The competition is good for all, I think. It brings out the best. Well, we, we hope it brings out the best. But I think it um, the win now situation that the Mets are kind of in now, you know, you're expected to win. Um, I think it might be a little easier for a young player to come up. To, uh, well, to use Bobby Witt Jr. as, as an example in Kansas City. Where right. you know that you're gonna you're gonna get the the spot, you're gonna get the at bats, or you're gonna get the ball if you're a pitcher, and you're gonna be able to work work through some things. Unfortunately, in New York, in this day and age, and really in my day and age too, because the Yankees decided decided to start winning a World Series pretty much every year. <laughs> um, you don't have many offers before they're gonna get somebody else in there. So, yeah, I guess you kind of get to see what people are made of right away. So let's, I brought up Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, let's talk a little bit about him because uh, one of the other podcasts that we had, we were wondering why in the hell is Ronnie Mauricio not up with the Mets? Well, he's been up with the Mets, and ever since he came up, he started every game at second base. He's looked really good. Again, <laughs> he, very short, uh, very small sample size. I get it. But from what I've seen from him, he's a 6'3", switch-hitting, lanky, guy who obviously he's 22 years old will put on muscle they all do um he's looked very sharp at second where his bugaboo was his defense right uh you know he's stealing bases he's getting on base he's he's uh hitting balls hard his first hit was the hardest hit ball for a met this season uh i've been very impressed by ronnie mauricio and uh you know it begs the question we don't have to get into it why wasn't he up earlier everybody has their own reasons but I'm very impressed with Ryan Mauricio, and he is up, and that's all that matters. What are your thoughts on uh, Ryan uh, Mauricio? I think think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, long, lanky, lean, uh, wiry, strong right now. uh, Hits from both sides of the plate. He, like you said, he's he's been he's been very good at second base. You know, Um, maybe he was just getting some games. You know, get him some games and get him comfortable a little bit on the other side of the infield. Obviously, I know they tried the left field thing for a minute. But um, I like his, his confidence so far. He's, he's looked confident at the plate. He's looked confident out, uh, out playing defense and being like he feels like he belongs. And I think it's all positives. Obviously, he'd like to come up and be successful right away, which is a good thing that he's done so far. Uh, leads him into a, a nice offseason where, uh, yeah. again, he's a, he's a Latin player, so there's a real good chance at some point in time he's going to be playing some winter ball to continue his development. And uh, all positives for Ronnie Mauricio right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the one thing that we haven't seen as of this recording uh, for the podcast is he hasn't hit a home run yet. Right. And that was his uh, spring training 2023. He was hitting bombs. I mean, we, I watched it. It was like, wow, this little, you know, 6'3 guy, not little, but skinny. Right. And he's got all this power. So uh, that's going to come. We know. Well, maybe he's maybe he's coming in to show that he's a hitter. You know, he's got a, he's got an approach. And yeah. Uh, Maybe he, you know, grows into that a little. There, that used to be the case where you kind of grew into your your home yep. run power and all that. Where I think that maybe I, we'll use Beatty as an example because yeah. we've talked about it before. Where I feel like Beatty hits the ball so well to left center field. Maybe he's gotten up and been told, you know, you got to hit the ball over the right field wall. Right. So maybe uh, Ronnie's made the the concerted effort to say that I'm a hitter and we'll worry about hitting home runs maybe next year. 
or in yeah. the future. And we know they're going to come. I mean, because we, we've seen his power, you know. So yeah. uh, I believe he hit 24 in AAA with Syracuse and during spring training. And had, a great was, year. had a great year at AAA. Yeah, and he was a talk of spring training, you know, because he was just hitting home runs left and right. So uh, I'm very impressed with Ronnie Mauricio. It's a good thing to have. And, uh, you know, the, the Mets, again, they have a farm system. And I'd be remiss if I didn't show everybody who's watching, if you're listening on whatever platform you can't see it, but if you are watching on YouTube, the shirt. Uh, bought this right when Steve Cohen became owner. You got to believe in Uncle Stevie. And, uh, you know, he said he wanted a farm system. He wanted to be uh, the L.A. East. And here we are, you know, with everything we just talked about with David Stearns. And now we're talking about top prospects. who have got top prospects behind them. So I'd be remiss if I didn't just tell you what I'm wearing with this shirt. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so before we go into our mailbag, uh, I wanted to ask you one more question. I have my thoughts on it. All right. Uh, like we uh, we said, fifteen to twenty games left here in the twenty twenty three season. The as a player, how hard is it when you're out of competition? And I know, unfortunately, you've been on some bad teams. You've been on some good teams. Uh, when you're playing out the year and empty ballparks, there's no buzz, and you know you gotta. As a major league player, I'm sure you know you don't need that extra oomph to get pumped to put on your spikes. But it, 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 is there something to it when you know it? it you made like the, like Lindor. Um, all right, hold on, that's a bad example. He's, you know, with all the, the contract, but whoever last year 101 wins, playoff atmosphere, every game, buzz, buzz, buzz. This year, empty crowds, no buzz. You know, it, it's different. How hard is it as a player to get up for that? Or how different? It's definitely different, obviously. Um, knowing that the pat, you know, there's going to be fifteen thousand people in the stands as opposed to forty five thousand people in the stands. Right. Uh, the buzz is obviously different. Uh, you hear more of the, the the fans and what are, is being said in those games than you do when there's forty five thousand people in the states in the in the in the stadium. Um, obviously, as a pitcher, you don't get in there on on an everyday basis, so I can't say what it's like for an everyday guy. But knowing uh, that you're going to be going out there and facing guys that are major league baseball players as well, you better you better yeah. find a way to get ready, or you're gonna you know you're gonna be out of there pretty quick, and you're gonna you're gonna make a fool of yourself. So you find a way to get pumped up for the game itself. But obviously, I don't want to say you go through the motions because you're never going through the motions. But it's harder to find that extra spark of that competition obviously as as professional athletes at the highest level we we find a way to compete with ourselves even if it's in practice or anything but it's always a lot more fun to know that you're playing in front of forty five thousand nice. screaming fans and uh you're playing for something but you're also a professional so you've got to go to work every single day and go out there and bust your butt and make sure that you are doing everything you possibly can to try to win a baseball game and uh, that's the bottom line it's not easy, but I've been there. I've been there with Milwaukee. Um, you go out, you go out to, you go to work and you, 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 you punch the clock and you give it everything you got. And then, you know, you look forward yes. to the, it's going to be over soon and hopefully we can get it going in spring training. Cause you're always looking forward to that next year that um, that might be the, the time we get it going. Yeah, and for certain players, there, there are goals that they obviously put out for themselves, like a Lindor, who uh, is close to a 30-30 year, which, right. you know, 
is very hard to do. You know, Howard Johnson was the king of that. Uh, Lindor has a very out, he has a chance. It's an outside chance of a 30, 30 season. And, you know, Pete Alonso has a very outside chance could happen of 50 home runs. Uh, you know, so there are players that have individual goals that they're still playing for. Absolutely. Uh, so let's get into the mailbag. I love the All mailbag. Right. Uh, the mailbag, obviously, uh, if you're listening for the first time uh, on Shay underscore hello on Twitter, we always ask if you have questions for the podcast. Uh, we put out a, a tweet and you can ask whatever you like in terms of Mets baseball, uh, baseball in general. Seems as though all the questions come in for Bill. Uh, I, I understand it. And once again, Bill, they're all for you. So let's get right into them. Uh, first question from Jeff Cohen. Mets batters have been hit so many times this year, yet we see no retaliation. Does that come from the manager or pitchers taking it upon themselves to protect themselves? Uh, in my day, it came from everybody. You know, it would come from the manager. It would come from the position players. It would come from the leaders of the, the veteran uh, pitchers on the pitching staff. It came from, from everybody. You know, the, it would be known that we're going we're gonna to make a statement tonight and it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And it, it didn't have to be said twice. Um, and I know we talked about this. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. so, yeah. I don't get uh, it. I don't get it either. I know we talked about it. It, it yeah. doesn't make sense for me. I don't get it. Yeah, me neither. But uh, it's a good question. Uh, but like we talked about uh, for forever, we both don't get it, what the Mets, in terms of no I mean, Maybe it's a fear of suspensions. I, I don't know, man. I, I think at that yeah. point in time, who cares, man? There's 20, it's 26 guys. Now there's 26 guys in that clubhouse and you gotta, you gotta go to battle for those guys. You know, even if it's not your best friend on the team, it doesn't matter. We're all putting the same uniform on and we're going to battle. And I know it's not war and I don't want to make light of that, but it's, it's our battle and you gotta, you gotta go to, you gotta go to battle for your boys. I totally agree. Let's get to the next question. It's from your buddy NYMGI who loves. I knew he'd be there for me. Yeah. He, he loves, uh, asking bill uh his questions i must be doing a good job because he keeps asking you must like like the responses Uh, he's got a good one for today's episode bill i noticed you were teammates with jose canseco what was that like i i thought jose canseco was awesome you know he was it was obviously he's a little older than me so i was a youngster when he first came up and uh getting to say i got to play with a bash brother was right. uh, phenomenal getting to go out to the bars a few times with Jose Canseco. I always got a great story about Jose Canseco. He used to wear these colored contacts when he would go out. And I was like, Jose, why, why do you wear the contacts? And he's told me that it doesn't matter what I do or what I say, people will come up to me and say, are you Jose Canseco? And he says, if I tell them no, they'll say, yes, you are. Is if, if I tell them, yes, I am Jose Canseco, They'll tell me, no, you're not. So he thought in his own Whoa. <laughs> in his own mind that the colored contacts were going to make him not look like Jose Canseco. I always thought it was the funniest thing. I really did. I guess but you he was have a good to... guy, good yeah. guy, good teammate, you know, kind of a what you would think a big donkey, but just a good guy. Good guy. Jose was a good guy. Good, good. Yeah. I, I, that story, I, I could see happening. Just not, I, not, not so. Yeah. It's Not so knowing Jose, but I could I could totally see it happening because yeah, uh, but that that's a very good story. So. I was actually sitting in a bar one night with him. I want to say it was in Detroit, and there was a home run derby, a winter home run derby on, 
from Las Vegas. And Rafael Palmero and Jose Canseco were in it. So I was actually sitting there watching a home run derby from a winter time. I don't even know why they did it. Watching it with Jose Canseco. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he could drink. Big dude, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Baseball players, the guys that do, they can... They can handle have their time. yeah. They can handle their own. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to one more uh, question from the mailbag. Uh, it's from Steve Jimbod uh, Jimbod three two zero. Short question, Bill. Uh, did you get a National League Championship ring in the two thousand? Uh, you know, uh, pennant for the Mets. As a matter of fact, I did. And uh, crazy story is Ricky Henderson was traded during that year, and he didn't get one. Really? And I came back the following year with the Red Sox and I made sure to find Steve Phillips and find Bobby Valentine to thank them for, for doing that because they didn't have to do that. So yes, I do have a 2000 national league championship ring. Yes. Wow. That's really yep. cool. It is and, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Wish uh, you guys won it all, but you know, we won't go there. I remember those games like uh, they were yesterday and I'd like to have a, a good night ahead of me. So I don't want to get sad. Um, there you but go. That's cool. I'm very happy that you got one because uh, that, that, that was a great year. Uh, so uh, that will end the uh, segment of the uh, mailbag. Thanks for everybody who uh, chimed in with that. Uh, and remember going forward, you can always ask your questions. Uh, just go to shade dot, uh, underscore hello. And uh, you can uh, find that and ask Bill all you want. And uh, with that being said, we'll uh, wrap up today's episode with the segment we call Quick Pitches. I know it's Bill's favorite where we go straight quick questions for Bill and he gives us his answers. So, Bill, you ready once again? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. They're off the cuff, as we know, and that's why we love this uh, segment. If you had one superpower to choose, what would it be? To fly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, I like to be up. I actually have dreams about flying, and it's they're always some of my my favorite dreams. That and I could sometimes bound like city blocks in one. Like I would run on all fours and be able yeah. to bound two, three city blocks. But the like flying, Sp- flying is always my favorite dreams. So is that like, kind, like of, to fly. kind of like Spider Man? You know, where he's like jumping from yeah, building to building, from building to building. Yeah, yeah. But okay. Flying, I think flying would be cool. Yeah, I, I, I like that answer. I think I, that would be up there for me as well. Uh, next question. If you weren't uh, growing up and playing baseball your entire life, uh, what was your dream? What would uh, be your dream job other than that? I know baseball was your life back then. but I, I tell you, man, when I was growing up, I had one thing on my mind and one thing only, and that was trying to play Major League Baseball. And I was, I was I lucky it. enough to live that dream. Uh, I was just thinking about it the other day, though. I'm really into history. So uh, history major, you know, history, a teacher, or uh, I've been really, really into Egypt and Peru and Mexico. So archaeologist, I think archaeologists would be a pretty cool job to do as well to be able to, you know, find ancient ruins and try to I believe there's lost civilizations of the past that we don't know about. And I think that. uh being looking into those types of things would be a pretty damn cool job. Yeah, I, I totally get growing up, and you know, it's all you knew. And, and being a baseball player, major league baseball player, is hard enough. So you got to, I feel like you got to give it everything. You know, so hundred percent. But yeah, history, you know, never ends. So uh, that's it. That's cool too. Uh, last one. If you are on an island, stranded, 
mm-hmm. and you got the choice of only three things that you could have with you, what would they be? Holy cow. And, and keep in mind, you got to live, you know? So, well, obviously, but, is it one? I would need more than one cow because I, you know, I'd like to, like to be. I have to live, so I got to eat. Um, fish. I could fish. Yeah, I guess so. I'm thinking uh, castaway. You know, castaway. He had to learn how to fish and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Learn how to make fire. <laughs> My goodness, three things. That's a tough one. We can make uh, it one or two. You know. Well, I'd like to have my Xbox so I can play some ah. video games, you know. I don't know. Um, right. I don't know if I'd Wi-Fi like to, is working uh, there. <laughs> uh, I'd like to be able to follow follow baseball a little bit somehow if I was on an island stranded. And okay. obviously, I'd like to have my wife and kids with me. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a tough yeah, question. It is a tough question. So I, I think we, we can narrow it down to this, Wi-Fi, because then you get to watch your baseball Right. Uh, you could play, you know, Xbox against other, you know, right. I don't know how electricity will work down there or wherever we'll you are, it out but I, you I, figure I, it out. Gilligan's Island, you make a stationary bike and you ride a stationary bike to create your, your, uh, your electric with bamboo to make your electricity. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, that's a great way to put a bow on this episode. Um, it, it was another fun one. I can't believe episode seven's in the books. Uh, I want to thank our producer behind the scenes, Steve White. Uh, by the way, he has his own podcast. Uh, I recommend you check it out. I subscribe to him. Uh, it is called the Cold Pop Cast, spelled that way. Uh, check it out, Cold Pop Cast. And, uh, it, is it about beer? Actually, it's a channel for uh, current events, technology, and you know things obviously just happening in the world. And they, t- they have a good... Uh, back and forth about you know current events and technology and stuff. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, cold popcast. I'll uh, check it out too. So thank you, Steve White, our producer behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, thank you, Bill Pulsifer. And uh, I want to thank everybody uh, watching here on YouTube uh, at Shea Hello Media. And if you are listening on any of our platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, that is Shea Hello Podcast. Thank you. Please subscribe. Uh, if you're watching and follow, if you are listening, uh, we would appreciate that. Any uh, final words, Bill? Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't get to show my my t-shirt off too. I have please. a nice, cool t-shirt right here. It's 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 Walter Johnson, the Tuxedo. perfect tobacco. This is back when uh, you could advertise tobacco right. as a baseball player, and this is a uh, a gift from Chris Vitale. I actually did a couple podcasts with him as well with Ball Nine Sports, and he was nice enough to send me this T-shirt, and I, I told like him it. I would wear it on the Shea Hello uh, <laughs> podcast today. But uh, pretty cool little, pretty cool little T-shirt right there. So yeah, that's you showed yours. I figured I'd have to show show my T-shirt as well. You got to yeah. believe in Uncle Stevie, and uh, that's an old uh, vintage T-shirt you got going on there. So yes, I am a fan. So uh, perfect way to wrap it up. Uh, until next week, Bill. Let's uh, we'll see what happens in uh, Mets land, and uh, uh, you know we'll see. There's always something going on. So thanks again, Bill. Thanks again, Steve. Behind the scenes, and thank uh, of course everybody watching and listening uh, to the Shea Hello podcast. Want to wish everybody a great rest of their day, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. <laughs>